welcome to Right in the Fields, the only podcast that takes your nostalgia, weaponizes it for money and cash and cachet and bitcoins. That's I think that's how you get bitcoins, right? Right, Chels? I don't know anything about the bitcoins. Okay, well, I'm going to assume that's how you get them. I don't know anything about the crypto. I have selectively decided to be ignorant on it honestly well i think it you know by virtue of its name you know the the titular crypto uh it's supposed to be cryptic right that's why they call it that oh you know what i saw the matt damon commercial and i said enough is enough there's a matt damon commercial about cryptocurrency oh yeah which Uh, one which one's he is he hawking it's just for crypto (laughs) <laughs> just in general it, it probably what? it was probably uh um uh, an auction house it was probably uh it's probably a, a site that allows you to trade crypto specifically probably did he i don't uh, think there's lobbyists for crypto yet <laughs> like, i don't think this is brought to you by the ad council <laughs> did he um get paid in crypto you know who the fuck knows uh probably not um at the time when you can get a lot of money off crypto before people knew what it was a lot of musical artists that jumped in early uh, made a lot of money because they're like oh yeah we'll accept crypto fuck it and then it went up huge in price and they had never done anything with it so they made pretty penny 50 cent was one that made a shit ton of money off crypto because you could buy one of his albums in cryptocurrency bitcoin specifically before it ever fucking mattered so we're talking about when the exchange rate was closer to one to one um, I, I don't know. I just, I that's not what this, we're talking about this week. The whole point I was about to say before you interrupted, my name is Terry Smith. I'm your faithful host with me is Chelsea. And we were going to skip over the pre- pleasantries because we both saw the Batman and we wanted to talk about the Batman and you're coming at me with Matt Damon, cryptocurrency agent. Uh, I just, the commercial is so cringy. If you have seen it, you know exactly what I mean. And if you have not, you know, the girls that know, know, or whatever that fucking TikTok. Listen, you were is. coming at me with this energy, and I want to be mad at you for it, but really, let's talk about the Matt Damon commercial. Fuck it. Uh, you know, Ben Affleck was in, a, you know, he played Batman, and Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, very closely related, you know, close ties there. So I think it's oh, all yeah. relevant. Yeah. Let's talk so about the they- duel. Fuck it. <laughs> I didn't see the duel yet. Oh, it's really good. Jody Comer. I mean, yeah, really good is a strong word. I'm going to take that back. It was good. It was, it was good. Their performances were good. I want you to know that it's on HBO Max, so it's on my list to watch, but that's not what I wanted to let you know. I want you to know <laughs> that the Matt Damon crypto commercial is so bad that South Park did an iteration. <laughs> that's what you need to know, Terry, as not having seen it. That says a lot. That says a lot. You know what? I probably did see it. If it played on Hulu at any point, I probably saw it. But I don't watch a lot of live television, so I do miss out on a large swath of general consumer commercials. So I saw it when we watched the Super Bowl, and I know that you're not a sports guy, so you obviously did not watch. I I am a sports guy in the way that I enjoyed playing sports every once in a while in high school. I will pick up a Madden every now and then. I know the rules of sports, as one has to do when growing up in the Midwest uh watching professional sports is not my forte uh college sports you know i'm excited uh about ncaa stuff if they treated their uh players with any respect or dignity that usually varies college to college so i can appreciate a sport not watching professional sports now he describes in this fucking cringeworthy commercial since you haven't seen it history making moments he's like walking through like a long hallway and it's like moments of history like 
like small snapshots or whatever, and then you like closer examine and it shows like a small clip. Of course. And he's like, these mere mortals, just like you and me, as they peer over the edge, they calm their minds and steal their nerves with four simple words that have been whispered by the intrepid since the time of the Romans. Fortune favors the brave. Talking about crypto, can you just (laughs) fucking imagine saying that and the serious music is playing and... I I cannot. So let's jump into something we both liked. Uh, (laughs) Not Bitcoin. Uh, Let's talk about the Batman. And apologies for my voice if you're like, oh, that sounds a little cracky. I got a little bit of a scratchy thing. I got a little bit of an allergy thing going on. Uh, Global warming's happening outside. And it was 65 degrees for about 30 minutes yesterday. And now it's snowing. So my body just is not reacting well. So the Batman, though. The Batman. Yeah. Let's talk about self-seriousness. We talk about cryptocurrency and the fortune uh, favors the bold. Man, uh, if I I was 13 and I saw the Batman, I think I would have creamed. I I think. Go ahead. No, no. End of sentence there. (laughs) I I think that I would have been so in love. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, I, I, I might say one of my favorite live action Batman movies, period um however sometimes that's not saying a lot so um i'd rather hear from you first you're really high on it i um really liked it a lot despite the edgelord vibes it gave off (laughs) and honestly Uh, like i joke i think the edgelord vibes worked for it i think that that was a positive aspect i think so too but i mean that's the bitch of a lot of people is like oh it's too emo i'm like yeah but committed to the bit that's the thing is i don't care like what aesthetic it is but if you're committed to the aesthetic and if it's if you do a good job with it it's like people who are like oh i don't like country music i'm like okay if you ever fucking listen to dolly parton like you're wrong because this is a dolly fan house here exactly exactly like a blanket statement oh it's emo so it sucks that's stupid like it does a really good job with the emo-ness i think robert pattinson walking around in oversized black t-shirts um and with like an eyeshadow basically i'm like this is this is working he's moody and the sad batman and i'm here for it i really enjoyed um i really enjoyed that bruce was was also the same like i think it's i think it's nice i guess let's start at the beginning right i think it's nice because or not at the beginning but as an overall general structure um because it's what year two that yeah that's when this is taking place and in some of the lore, right? In the first few years, he's like super dedicated, doesn't find that work-life balance. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I love the and, idea of like so like balancing the alter ego, the secret identity thing, work-life balance. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So he hasn't figured it out yet, right? And he's he is edgelord at this point, like in in every sense of every sense of the word to do our first uh live action comparison it's like the the first act of batman well i guess second act of batman begins when he's out there and everyone's like what's the the recluse doing and michael kane's over there like okay you need to you know play up the billionaire act um and no one's there telling him that well that's not true this alfred did a little bit but he was in half a scene so um (laughs) but like it just like you said he hadn't find that work-life balance yet and if you read comics or anything like that, year two is usually synonymous with the long Halloween storyline. So this yeah. is an origin story for his rogues gallery as well as himself just a little bit past that. So like you said, he's still young. He's still figuring it out. Like what is the Batman versus what is the Bruce Wayne? Exactly. He's still, and he thinks, I think that 
the movie does a good job of trying to explain that even. Like, when Alfred's like, hey, the accountants are coming, and he's like, I don't give a fuck about the accountants. I'm doing the important work. And then he realizes he's not. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I, lo- I love that stuff, man. If he just would have been more Bruce Wayne and he could have had some oversight over the renewal fund, like, maybe he would have not had several problems that he now has. And let's you know? let's talk about that a little bit. The things that I fucking love about this movie are like the the theme, the cinematography, the characters and the moments with them, the acting, the casting. All of those things across the board fucking amazing. The tone of the film is exactly what you saw in the trailers. It, so if you're like, "Oh, this is going to be like kind of scary even," like 100%. This is a dark ass Batman movie, not always trying to be a realistic ass batman movie which is what i thought like the batman begins universe was yeah like they the nolan verse really grounded yeah i wouldn't call this one grounded this definitely feels no. like a comic book movie but it's dark it's gritty where i think people use that synonymous with like re- real like like a realism to it and it doesn't no, have it, that it doesn't i think that it, it more reminds me of watchmen yeah, Watchmen or uh, Seven, like really, really similar in vibes. Where it's right, like where it's this is real in quotations, but uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like fantastical and a darker fantasy, right? Yeah. So I, I think it pulls off all of those things. Robert Pattinson, not just his Bat voice. I think his Bat voice is amazing, but as Batman, as as that like younger Edge Lord. Um, other than one or two scenes, I think he nails it. And I don't think those scenes that he doesn't nail it are his fault. I think it's a little bit of the writing. Um, at one point he yells, oh, oh, also before we go too far into this, I think we're going to spoil the Batman. So if you haven't seen the Batman, don't listen. Oh yeah, true. You should put a warning. Yeah. Okay. Cause I was about to spoil something. I mean, it's a dumb line that I don't think if you haven't seen the movie, you're going to be disappointed in. Um, but, but I, he, I'm going to say something that he says in the movie. So if you haven't seen the Batman dip out now. I'll mark spoilers to it in like our actual like description, but when yeah, he says like you're not my father, <laughs> I'm like where did this come from? We've seen Alfred two minutes before this. You have done no grown nothing in here for you to say those words like a sixteen year old. Um, I, no, I thought that I was agree. a little bit silly. I agree, like mostly because there wasn't any foundation laid. But I think that Reeves is taking into account like a certain amount of familiarity with the character, so. Him saying it to Alfred and, like, knowing that Alfred raised him, basically, I guess. 100%. That's the thing. So, I'm a little bit mixed with that because he does skip over that. It's like when you watch Spider-Man Homecoming. You don't need to see Spider-Man's, like, origin story. He got bit by a spider. We don't got to see Martha's pearls hit the ground. Um, We know they were killed, (laughs) mugged, shot in the alleyway, Batman sad. We get it. Alfred raised him. This is more the Earth-1 Alfred who is, like, a... A war hero friend of Thomas Wayne yeah. who gets stuck mm-hmm. with the kid. He's not actually a butler, right? Um, I love that version of it, and I, I love Andy Serkis. And the few lines he has in this movie, I believe, and honestly, heart of the film, even though he like he's in two scenes. I cried um, when they have that moment in the hospital. But... Is, yeah, yeah I love so that. Well. that. That got me. I mean, pro- yeah. partly because, like, you know, my dad passed away when I was a kid, so there, there's some, like, just easier emotion clicking for me, but it's still mm-hmm. a lot. But the thing, the, the, the problem I have is Matt Reeves is trying to have his cake and eat it, too, where it's, okay, people have this familiarity with these characters so I can skip over stuff. However, the main crux of the movie is, hey, maybe Batman's parents aren't great, which, if you have any familiarity with films... Or with Batman is extremely obvious, even if you haven't read the comic books, right? Right. right. 
and that's the big twist of this mystery and that's where this movie falls apart for me is the plot i love everything about it minus the you're not my dad and the really bad flight suit thing that has no payoff to it that felt like it was straight out of batman begins i didn't like that um but other than those it's the plot that really hits me so just on the bad suit point like so I think, yeah, it's silly to see it, right? But once again, because he's so new into, like, I saw a lot of people that were like, oh, he doesn't have any of the cool stuff because people were really so used to Nolan's Batman, right, where he had tons of gadgets and tons of, like, tech stuff. And it's like, if he's only been doing this two years, not that he doesn't have the money or whatever, but he's still probably figuring things out. So maybe the Batsuit is a test run and he hasn't, it, I mean, it. The vibe I got is that he hadn't used it before, and then he's like, well, fuck, maybe I won't use that again. No, and I understand that, and I think that fits really well in a year one movie, and I'm not upset that he doesn't have as many gadgets. I love that he really only had the grappling hook, and he was really good with the grappling hook. Used it in really interesting ways. Like, Mm -hmm. I I love that. It's the flight suit felt like it was in a different film. Um, From the looks of it, which looked dumb, with no payoff to, okay, now the cape is what does it, and it looks cool or whatever, you know? Right. Um, I would have appreciated that. The flight suit felt like it was out of Dark Knight when he goes to Lucius. And he's like, listen, Lucius, the flight suit, like, great thinking, but I need this to look badass. You know, it didn't fit this film. And also the crash landing felt like Spider-Man hitting that fucking Prius or whatever, or Hyundai. And uh, um, in Spider-Man 2, you know, like when he like starts yeah, to get his powers back. That. It yeah. just it felt kind of hokey to me. I but up until that point, like when he runs up and you see him panic because he's at the, the top of the building and he's never done that right. before. That yeah. part was really good. It's so really it was just like the hokey flight suit that I didn't like. Okay, and I and so I did not have the same sort of problem. Can we talk about similar to uh, homages, but in a different way, right? Can we talk about it being a tower instead of a manor and it being in Gotham, Wayne? You know, like his home base. Yeah, I love that. I love I like that. that a lot, yeah. And and like they mentioned too that it there is a Wayne Manor. There's a Wayne estate yeah. that he they, has left in ruins. It. But they focused it here though on the tower and not like that becomes his base of operations as opposed to just like his his stepping stone in Gotham, I guess. I don't know how else to phrase it. Yeah, that, no, but. definitely. And it's the middle of the town cuz he's embedded in the city cuz he's not Bruce Wayne the billionaire philanthropist yet. He's still the edge lord. I'm Batman. I am the knight. I'm vengeance, which I love. I love that. I've seen some critiques um, throughout it going, well, I just don't understand. Like, he's not bad. He's not saving people. And I actually had the same thought. I'm watching this film, and you see Batman, and he blows up a fucking tanker. Like, 45 people easily die. And he's just like, I got the penguin. I got this badass car. It's all fine. And that, there's, like, a bunch of scenes like that where he has no regard for civilians other than the one at the beginning of the film that's clearly afraid of him. And it's so subtle when it comes to the storytelling, which is Matt Reeves, uh, I mean, genius. I, I love the Planet of the Apes movies for the same thing. And by the end, when he's like, I have to be something else, and he right. sa- starts saving people and realizing, okay, that's the other half of this job I'm supposed to do. I thought that was great. I thought that was such think- a cool idea. I think, yeah, and I think that Reeves done it, does it in a way um, at the end when him, like, with the, with I think that one of the best scenes for me, at the end when he has the flare and everyone starts following behind him even though he's, like, a vigilante, I think that seeing the click there that he, now these people need to be protected, right? Like, when all the flooding is happening, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think that that makes it so that it, be, so that he realizes in that moment, like, more of what, 
Batman is as a tr- as a, we traditionally know him as he ends up being. Right? I think like, the moment actually comes before that. I think that's the part because like it shows the kid finally taking his hand who's been afraid of him the whole film, even when yeah. he's Bruce, which I loved. I love that that right, kid I was like Batman is terrifying. <laughs> Yeah. Why is he staring at me? One hundred percent. I mean, it makes sense. Like, if you look at it from Bruce Angle, it's like, okay, he's mirroring himself. He sees himself in that kid, but the kid doesn't fucking know that, so he's just terrified about this man, who then yeah. saves his life. And he obviously, I think that's part of the subtext too, is he knows he's Batman. Um, after he saves him and he sees this guy again and he finally takes his hand and that inspires everybody else. Okay, maybe Batman can save him. But I think the real moment is when he can go, like, he can escape, he can check on Catwoman and he chooses to make the sacrifice play Iron Man style and he cuts the electrical cord and drops into the water. That's, I think, the real growth moment. Yeah, I guess I, so I guess I, that I agree. I mean, the moment where the people accept him as that, Sort of yeah, no, and two I different moments for sure. Right. Yeah, but I think when it show like where like you when he realizes he needs to be hope, like he says it several scenes later. But the moment where because up until then he saves nobody, he fights the bad guys which stops people, he catches the bad guys which saves some people, but he in no way helps any any like individual person throughout the film until that moment where he cuts that line and drops into the water electrocuted. Other than I get, you know, he says Catwoman, but that's more like, you know, that's my girl. That's not, it's not so much the, uh, um, I gotta save people. I gotta be hope. <laughs> right, right. Okay, that's fair. But like, I really, really like that moment. Again, subtlety. He doesn't fucking say anything until the end, even though he's got the the weird um, journals that that are done as voiceover. Which I think are the be- best version of voiceover I had seen because it, it leans into the edgy emo-ness of it. Like, you, I almost want to laugh every time he starts talking, but he believes it, which I think is entertaining. Um, like, just in, you think just in general, like, giving the lines? Or you think, like, voiceovers or? Both, both. Like, like, okay. like, like uh, let's compare it to two similar things. So, the voiceover of Spider-Man in the first Spider-Man movie. Some of the worst voiceover ever. When it comes to superheroes, <laughs> the comics, the movies, who yeah, am I? Yeah. I'm Spider-Man. Yeah, not yeah. that guy. Yeah, like it's <laughs> Tony McGuire, just like I'm really fuck. I shot this movie two years ago. I gotta record lines for it. God damn it, you know. And then juxtaposed to let's say call it Arrow, CW, season one, right? Um, right. Where it's better. It's trying to be self-serious. It kind of knows it's a little campy. You know, I gotta be something else. Uh, that whole thing, but it works with the vibe of the show. It wouldn't work anywhere else. This is, I think, a combination of the two. It's kind of campy. It's that emo he's writing in his journals, but by them doing that one simple thing where it's not just an inner monologue, he's writing these journals as a grounding mechanism, and partly because he's an emo kid, he's listening to, you know, darker covers of Nirvana songs. He would have a yeah. fucking journal. He would have a Tumblr if he could, but <laughs> but he can't. So he's got these journals. So I think it allowed it to be a little bit darker and self-serious because he's writing it to himself. And I think that that worked for the vibe of the film. Yeah, because it's not for anyone else. And right. it's, not for, it's not for the listeners at home. It's I truly believe that it is because it's in the journal, right? It's, it's for him. him reflecting on what happened because, as he says, you know, like the nights all blur together, et cetera, et cetera. Like this, the dissociation when he comes back as Bruce is yes. so real yes. that – he needs it as a way to like, what the fuck have I been doing? Like, where 
remember. Yeah, he has that line in there where he's like, I don't, like you said, he's like, it blends together. I don't remember sometimes when I take the mask off. And yeah. and I, I thought that that worked really well with the journals and with a you know a distant father figure trying to be a father but not and not knowing how that whole thing you would have a fucking journal man <laughs> like that's just like that is emo kid one hundred one. Um, I also liked the I did not expect so I did not watch any of the trailers I just saw like some of the um like promotional posters. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I knew who was in the, I was knew who was in the cast. Um, for the most part, but I um, did not expect to be as afraid for the fear element to be so high, reminiscent of almost like Tim Burton creepy levels. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I really enjoyed that, um, but I did not. I did not expect it when I went into it, and I think that it was uh, very different. Like I felt um, the tensing, the tension, and the fear like building. I guess if. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the first half of this film specifically, I, I think I really, really or may, I guess the, with how long it is, the first third of this film, I I have almost no problems with. And my one of my favorite parts of the whole whole film is that opening with his really cheesy monologue going yeah. into his journal, and it's it's setting that seven tone. It's always rainy. It's always dark in Gotham. And it keeps showing the shadows, but not showing Batman, and people are afraid. Yeah. It's showing that he's that fear. He's the knight. Right. He is vengeance. That was fucking amazing. That yeah, alone that was... cemented it as one of my favorite Batman things ever. Yeah, I agree. I also, how do you feel? So I saw a bunch of people's takes just on um, Twitter and whatever, social media. Sure. About him not, like, sneak attacking and just walking out of the shadows. It, at several points. It, like, you hear the boot foot footstep sounds, you know? Sure. And um, a lot of people did not like that. They were like, Batman is, you know, more clever than this. And He's he the knight. Is, Right, and he, you know, does the wing flap down, and, you know, or he grappling people. Like, we've seen it a hundred a hundred different iterations of it. So, like, <laughs> him walking afraid, I think, really cementing, like, what he tells Alfred. Like, I'm not afraid to die. Just edgelord, 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 right? Yes. But I think that it almost works here as a, as out of character as it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, like, traditionally-wise, I think that it, like, the inspiring of the fear, I think that it really went hand-in-hand well with that. And so I liked it. I think I it is the – sorry, you go ahead. You keep going. No, I was just going to say, I know that a lot of people did not like that particular, like, aspect of it. I know it's a small thing to nitpick, but I was just curious what your thoughts were on it. So I, I'm, I'm in lockstep with you. I, I liked it for him, and I think it is because of the fear aspect, because he's fucking creepy walking out of those shadows. And <laughs> and it is kind of – it's frightening. He's just doing the back house of just walking in. And it leads into the edgelord aspect of he's not afraid to die. He wants to fight those fucker guys. He's happy when the when those thugs and that gang swing on him, right? Like, that's what right. he wanted. He wanted them to pull the gun so he could revel in that violence. And I appreciate that. And you see as he grows throughout the movie and faces meaner and meaner threats, he does start to use the subterfuge. Like, when I think about at the, at the end of the film where he's up against um, the Riddler's goons, basically, he doesn't walk in there head first because they have shotguns and rifles. He, exactly. like, same thing when he, you know, when he goes up against Falcone uh, the second time. He doesn't walk into the club like he did every other time, you know? Like, he, no, yeah, he, he sneaks in and he hides and he cuts the power and then drops down from the roof in the back costume and scares them. He's learning that he can't just walk in and punch his way through, and he learns that several different ways, and I really appreciated the growth. This felt like a season of television, honestly. 
Honestly, um, I agree with that 100%. Like, just watching him, because like you're saying, the growth was incredible. That was my next point, right? Like, he goes from the walking out in the front to then realizing I got to be smarter. And I, I love, I know it was a little kitschy, I love the scene at the door, right, where he comes as Batman. I fucking love that. I, I knew, and I wanted to bring this up, I knew you were going to love this scene, no matter, even if it was the worst scene in the film, because those twins are from Teen Wolf, oh, I yeah, knew you were going to fucking love 100%, it. 100%, 100% they are. <laughs> understanding you. i love that when you saw them you laughed I, I did i did i always laughed at the theater and partly they're funny they're great as the penguins twins like i thought that was such an yeah. awesome thing because it's got yeah. comic book legacy and i like those two actors but i thought of you in that moment is why i'm giggling <laughs> to myself in the theater as soon as i saw it i turned to kyle i said do you know where they're from he said Shh. <laughs> <laughs> he's like trying to listen i love like, that they were more and more fucked up throughout the film too yeah no I like that. Yeah, I like that too. Like when uh, Kinsey or whatever has the broken nose and it's just like showing, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, I guess I broke his nose. <laughs> <laughs> but, anyways, continue on with anyway. your thought. No, so I, I really enjoy he goes as Batman, right? And then he comes back as Bruce, and they're like, oh, yeah, you can come in. And then he comes back as Batman, but like, you know, they don't see him. But they don't and see I, him, yeah. Been doing this the whole time. He could have been doing this the whole time. And, and I, I love that. that. Right? Like, yeah, because at first he's like, listen, I'm going to use the power of fear and intimidation. And I think that also follows in line with, so just to like segue into one of my most favorite parts that I've been waiting for for a live action Batman movie, the investigator role. Yes, fucking let him solve a goddamn mystery. He's the world's greatest detective. Listen, all I have to say is that's why this is my favorite now. And it's strictly, I mean, like everything else is also great. It's a great film, but because they let him be an investigator, detective, like, that is the part of Batman that I like the most because that's the part that is in Batman the Animated Series that has always, always been missing, I feel like, from live action. They might, like, do, like, a small nod to it. Yeah, like, I, I, the one part that people always reference is in The Dark Knight Rises when he dusts for fingerprints. I'm like, that's it? That's enough for you? Yeah, just to, yeah, just to catch, ca- yeah, or right, and, like, Michael Keaton does a little bit of stuff. I can't remember which one. Um, in 89 he does some pretty it, fun yeah. investigation stuff right but it's but it's not like this is the heart oh no sorry not 89 core. batman returns the one with catwoman is, and penguin right the core of him like his interactions with the police like how he's doing things the cypher he and alfred doing it together and i'm like this is what i have been missing from a batman movie 100 percent. and i think They're this movie would be perfect for me if i liked what he found more okay yeah and that's fair and that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that part of it is I enjoyed it so much because as soon as that aspect was brought in, I was like, this is it. This, this is, is the most everything. Batman to me out of all of them, though. Yes. Like, this feels like the Batman. Not just like, like, like you know, the, oh, I'm a comic book fanboy. It's got to be that guy. It's just like when I think about Batman to me, this hits all of the moments. Awesome fighter. Almost, you know, almost superhuman, but not and still, you know, fragile because he's a human being the investigator aspect running on rooftops jumping from them using the grappling hook to escape all of that stuff is here in this film and yeah. that's why I, it still is one of the top for me if not my favorite um because it's my favorite batman period the costume yeah. i really really d- dug i like ben affleck's costume more but this felt like batman in that costume no matter what i think about it this feels like batman yeah. the batman um, as, you, I, as it's called as, yes yeah, yes um i agree i just i 
I have been waiting so long <laughs> for for the investigator, for the detective to come out, and it did, and so he's got me right there. And they got, and they got me too as well. Like I, I really, really dug that spot. I loved him up against the Riddler and working with um Gordon, which uh, I, is Jeffrey Wright. Is that the actor's name? Yeah, I know him from Westworld and a, and a couple other things. I I love him and basically everything he does. Also, he also has like a really small role in The Last of Us Part Two and is really really oh, good yeah. in it. But like, I, I wish he was in more of it. But he's just so awesome in everything he appears in. Um, and, but him getting so much screen time here, I loved him as Gordon. Loved him as like one of the only clean cops. That whole trope, I think that worked so well. And I. Go really ahead. good job as not commissioner yet, but as is what is he lieutenant? Yeah, he's a lieutenant, and how he slowly builds up the confidence of the other people throughout the movie. They start to look to him. Yeah, I agree, and you like see him becoming sort of commissioner, like stepping into the commissioner role. But I like, I think it's interesting that, and I don't know, I know less about Commissioner Gordon, um, like comic origins, that kind of thing. Sure, but I like that his relationship with Batman begins before he's commissioner, and that he already is like trusting him and working with him and this and this signal is already you know he's already meeting him and like in violation probably of a lot of things that the police force like yeah i I really love that little touch where like it wasn't on top of gcpd that's just the building that he's got access to downtown he built that himself yeah exactly and that like and he's like convinces everyone else to sort of let him in and then even takes heat from his supervisor before he's dead you know rip uh, <laughs> about having him at the crime scene and stuff but it's like it just i just think that it shows sort of their working relationship like evolving and i would have liked to see the origin of it because i don't know that i mean we see it a little bit in norms but I was, like we haven't seen young batman i guess origins with have you watched the year one movie or read the year one comic book yeah. graphic novel yeah. So it yes. really seems like they're going off that one where yes. G- Gordon cut his teeth at almost capturing the Batman, basically. Right. And yes. it seems like that's why they respect each other so much. And I and I and the reason why I think that is they really allude to it with Martinez, uh, the other cop that we see a lot of screen time in the film. It's like, really? Yeah. You're going to protect this guy? Because it seems like maybe they had some tumultuous history there. Exactly. Like, you know, he had, you know, made it his mission or whatever. Into exactly. Like, that really seemed like, yeah. like the idea behind it. Maybe that's just me reading into it. And I would have maybe liked to see it, but I like that they just jumped into the action. Okay. He's working with them kind of, and him and him and Gordon have this awesome, you know, good cop, bat cop uh, line for Penguin. They have, they have <laughs> right. that thing um, that he doesn't really know much about him, but he trusts them because he can see this guy wants to do good. And he's a good detective. I really like that. It gave me, like, the Sherlock vibes, you know? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, okay, they, they work with the weird guy because he can figure things out faster than they can. Yeah, I agree. So I, I really dug that aspect. I liked them investigating. I liked uh, Pattinson sitting there thinking and having to figure things out. What I didn't like is how some things were so obvious to him and other things weren't. Like, he was genuinely surprised when Riddler was targeting Bruce Wayne, and uh, I didn't think that that worked very well. I think that should have been obvious from the get-go, at least to him, the way that he had put together stuff. I liked some of the other twists they did with the Riddler, like all of the birds, you know, that could be flightless. I liked that whole bit, and I think that worked well. Um, I loved, 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 loved the scene towards the end where... Bruce is just taking a beating because he thinks that Riddler knows he's Batman. 
Yes, and he like the conflict, and then his eyes when he like when he figures out that he doesn't know. That was great, great acting, great scene. I think it's I think it's funny because I think that in some ways this Batman is trying to be like the most self aware, right? And so I think it's funny because when he thinks that his secret is going to be exposed, that's the only thing it could be. Like he's very self absorbed there, right? But when it comes to something about someone else, like his family, and that's why he would have been targeted, right? And he doesn't get it, and he doesn't get the flightless bird, and, you know, like, I... Yeah, he just is, like, oblivious to it, basically. Right, he's like, oh, it must be the penguin. Which is true, you know, whatever. But, so he's, like, not able to see... He can see only his own faults, and not... Yeah, he's pretty self-absorbed, right? Right, and I think that that is realistic. Like, I think that comes across in the entire movie, like, his relationship with Alfred, and then, you know, Alfred almost dies, and so he sort of, like examines it there his like lack of regard for people until the end so i think that that is just keeping with theme yeah i think it it fits eventually i think the problem i have with it is when it ties into the bigger mystery of his parents paying off the guy and working with falcone because he's i mean being surprised that your parents aren't great that's a completely reasonable thing especially where they're the whole idea behind his crusade i could see him you know trying to ignore that stuff and not realizing However, they turn him to a really dumb character past just the looking past the sins of the father thing. Like, he just starts believing anything anybody tells him throughout that entire, like, hour of the film. I think it, I think it shakes him, though, that he, you know, like, I think that it, it's, it's him reeling and, tr- and, like, I really don't know anything. Maybe these people are all, you know, whatever. And it takes him reconvening with Alfred, I really mm-hmm. feel like, to, and, like, to then realize, like, this is the stability that I needed. He's giving me reassurance. He's He wouldn't lie to me and has never lied to me. And, like, you know, like, this fits more with, like... But he has the else. exact same conversation with Falcone and go and accepts it as the same truth. <laughs> no, I know, but the conversation with Alfred comes after the conversation. And so, like, I feel like when he goes to Falcone, he's desperate, right? He goes mm-hmm. as Bruce. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I had to blow my nose. He goes <laughs> as Bruce. He's emotionally just wrecked because basically everything that he stood for and everything that he thinks that he knows about his whole world once again self-absorbed is a lie is you know is the foundation is cracked so he goes there and of course he's like vulnerable at that point and emotionally receptive to being directed to believe this because then he's like what else could it you know like mind racing what else could it be what else don't i know like you know this all fits together otherwise why would my dad have done this and you know Mm -hmm. must have but then he goes to see Alfred, and Alfred's like, are you fucking... He says it, basically. Are you fucking stupid? Yeah. Like, why would you believe a crime boss? And then he's like, well, why would I believe a crime boss? You're right. Like, And that, that's that's my point, I think, is a little bit... I get what you're saying, where it's like, oh, he was, he was shaken, and we see him make mistakes throughout this entire film. I think it was just a lot all at once, as well as the growth and the believing of Alfred. I think that could have been put at a better time, because that entire run-up to that scene is great. Him being desperate, and you can see it in his eyes as he's screaming... That, like, you know, don't open that thing, basically. That, yeah. okay, I do care about Alfred. I've been a prick to him. I'm going to lose the other dad I have. As well as finding out that he just lost his, his dad again, basically. Of, right. like, finding out he's a piece of shit. So him believing Alfred yeah. makes sense. Them putting that all back to back to back. First he believes, you know, the Moroni thing. Then he believes the Falcone thing. And then he believes um, Alfred. That was all within the same 30 minutes of the film, it felt like. And... I just feel like that could have been placed differently um, to make it believe. And it's so then it just accentuated like the worst part of that film for me, which is the Thomas Martha twist of, well, it was all their fault. Um, 
I guess that I just don't have the same pacing problem. I think that it only works because it's back to back to back because you see the whiplash of him like internally. You see it on the screen. You see him going going through it. You know. But that's I, I, I mean, get. But so it's it's this internal monologue of this character that we're not seeing, which is great. This is a pretty you know. Uh, opaque film when it comes to his thoughts even though he's writing the journals you only get really two monologues from him um so it's really it's it's all subtext however that's all back to back to back to back so you got to make a lot of assumptions yourself and watch him do it and i think that that could have done better if a they gave you more alfred to to build through that or just save that scene for a little bit later in the film i i think it being back to back is too much for us because we're, we're not on that same roller coaster as him, right? Um, number one, if you pay attention at all, it's very obvious that it's the Wayne's fault. Uh, that, that That's what they're setting up. So I don't care that it shakes him, right? Um, and I, I do care I about Alfred. It. I think Andy Serkis is great in the film, but I saw a lot of people who were like, well, we only seen him twice. Maybe he should just die here. That would make him a better character. Um. I think that part of it is just part of our difference of opinions on it or whatever is just you were cynical about it from the start, right? Like Maybe. I mean, I like, enjoyed but, it. No, and but for me, I was like, oh, this is what they're my, – my thought was about this particular issue, about the Waynes and the mm-hmm. Arkhams and whatever, was they're trying to set this up, but – but it can't be. And that's knowing comic book knowledge, right? And I was like, but, you know, something will happen and it will not be that way. And then it really was that way. And I was, like, emotionally like, well, this is going to fucking wreck emo lord. Like, Yeah, so maybe it's just that you had more empathy for him kind of right. thing. And you were you were on that because you cared about him more, which I did. And I think his acting is so well. And that's what brings me to that scene. Because even though I think it's weak, I, I think that portion of the film is weak when it comes to the plot of it. Again, I think... That's you, you. When you have five reveals back to back, they're gonna lose momentum. That's just that's my opinion of, of storytelling. Um, and you can't feel the gravity of something if if you get hit fifteen times, right? You get punched once, you're like, "Fuck, I gotta think about that punch a little bit. That hurt." If you get punched seven times, you're like, "I got, I lost track somewhere three or four. How many times did I get hit?" And that's where I mean- that's where it felt like to me. I mean, maybe for me, it just still like it still feels like the same reveal, right? It's like it's not different punches; it's all the same thing, just slowly more details coming in that shift sort of where you're staring at it. So for me, it's not reveal, reveal, reveal. It's like more information about the same thing. I I agree, I agree, but it's more information about the about the same thing back to back. So it doesn't let you sit with any of it before they tell you, nope, just kidding. Um, which again, if you're gonna do a mystery. I, I feel like you need to pace those out a little bit more because I think if you would have, if we would have learned one of those in the first act, right? If we would have learned, okay, Maroney did this. Okay. And then we sit with that for an entire act of the film. And then you have the big face off against Falcone and they're like, Hey, listen, actually, uh, you know, there was this whole thing. And like, okay, fuck. Okay. Twist. Now it, that reshapes what happened in the first part of it. And then at the end of the film, we find out Alfred is still alive. So that it ratchets up the tension a little bit throughout the third act. And then he's like, and actually, dude, your dad still fucking rocked. He made a mistake. You're allowed to make mistakes, as he did throughout the film. And I think that that would have mirrored yeah, that weird. a little bit better. And then it, cha- again, changes your whole worldview of the entire movie. I think that would have worked a lot better and would have made me feel uh, or care a little bit more about, again, what I think is a weak twist is that his parents sucked. Rich people fucking suck. That's the theme of the whole fucking movie. 
Um, that being the big twist of the mystery, I think, is what weakens all the things that, that you're talking about. And I think I would have liked them better if there was something more to that plot line. Or they just wouldn't have set that up as the mystery, right? That would have been a little bit more of a key ingredient into the Robert Pattinson soup instead of the secret one that pops in at the end. <laughs> the the Emeril Lagasse bam portion of it. No, I see what you're saying. I just, but. we just will agree to disagree on. No, no, I'm definitely going to poison your next, next meal. This is unacceptable. I mean, that makes sense. But so we've <laughs> so we talked a lot about Robert Pattinson. We've talked about Alfred. We have not really started in on. Yeah, let's get uh, into the other characters. Yeah, let's get into the baddies, okay? What do you uh, think of Paul Carroll as the penguin? Okay, so that version of the penguin I thought was weird. This weird, like, earnest, um,. Uh, you know, higher up mafioso type, but I really liked it. I think it really worked for that character because he's just sitting there. He's trying to do the fucking accounting and Batman's walking in. He's like, all right, all right, I'll talk to the guy. So he stops punching people and like, is still a crime boss. It g- it gave me like Tony Soprano vibes a little bit. So I agree. And I like it. I liked it a lot. I like that. He's also that he and um Falcone have like the, have the bit at the end or whatever. Yeah. Where he's like, like no, you were the fucking rat. And yeah. it, again, that earnestness of him. So, like, he very clearly, he's a smart guy who runs a business. Didn't seem like the absolute worst employer ev- either, even though he's, a, you that, know, it's like a grungy club. I think it's a tradition. So, not maybe a traditional, but I think it's it's a good Oswald Cobblepot, like, starting inside, but, like, seizing every opportunity and sort of making some come for himself. Yeah. To be a, self-made mafioso to be like a big kingpin as opposed to just like the accountant guy and needing that push of okay falcone fucking sucked um now that everyone's gonna look to him i i thought that was a great origin for the penguin kind of and plus colin farrell's fucking performance man i think that yeah i think that he did so so well um as as playing this role yeah, that's the thing. Like, I know I mentioned, like, I, you know, I, I was shitting on a lot of stuff in that last, like, portion that we talked about where I didn't like the mystery aspect, and that just was the glue that I needed it to hold it together, and it didn't. But everything else in this movie is great. The casting of everybody and the acting. Man, Colin Farrell disappeared in it. There's that anecdote I'm sure you've seen online where he just, like, tested it out and sat at a Starbucks in the full penguin costume when no one noticed him. Yeah. Like, that was great, and him in that in the chase scene specifically. Um, everyone keeps praising the chase scene. I think it's it's shot so well in like an auteur sense. Terrible chase scene, I think. Um, you know, like there's no action in it until that last part. But as just like film, like just like watching it from a pure like film perspective, I'm like that was an amazing cat and mouse portion. I think it seems like a more realistic chase scene. So maybe it was just, it was the millions of cuts and only seeing people through the, the background. I'm a fan of let's go wide and show the real action. Right. So like, you know, John wick style, a lot of Kung Fu movies. That's what I like. The quick cuts. I am not a fan of whenever there's action because it feels like you're trying to trick me into there being action. There's not. And that was the scene, but it fit the film in such a way where it's an awesome like like portion of the film it's an awesome scene i just think in the world of chase scenes i would have liked to see that cool ass fucking car barreled down the highway more yeah let's talk about mad max free road vibes. <laughs> <laughs> am i wrong no it's just like piece together i love that you i mean i know we just heard talking about characters i'll we'll jump back into oh, yeah. it but i loved seeing him building it in the background in every scene oh yeah Exactly. That was awesome. You're like, what the fuck is that gigantic engine he's working on? You're like, oh, he's building the Batmobile. 
Yeah, I think that it's um, I think it's awesome. I like it a lot. I like it sitting up. Like I think that it looks super fucking cool. One, I think that I I like it not having like a ton of gadgets yet that we've seen. You know what I mean? That it's it's more of just a car and less of a does all these other things. Like, well, it's just like the gadgets he has on him throughout the film. Like he doesn't have the smoke bombs. He has no ninja stuff, right? He yeah. just has the it's the utilitarian. He has the shit that he needs. He's got the electric gauntlets. Everything he has, it's almost like, just like with the whole, now the cape is probably going to be integrated as a flight suit. He Everything Perfect. he has, it seems like he didn't have it and needed it at some point. Um, yeah, and I really, like really dug that. And the car was the same way. He kept running into not being able to chase people as well because he, in the motorcycle, he can't hit a car, right? Yeah. Um, and so then when he needs to chase down all these fucking cars, he's like, all right, now I need the fucking car. And I really dug that about it. Hi, my name is Terry Smith. You might know me as one of the hosts of Right in the Fields, or perhaps if you've heard some of the crossover content with the Slovenly Trolls. But I also write comic books for Can'tBeKilledCreations.com, and we have our first full-size comic book coming out called Growing Up. Getting older is exciting, moving on to bigger and better things, but what happens to the childish things left behind? Moving on is hard, but that's growing up. From neon-colored folders to action figures to trading cards, Growing Up shows the final moments of the doomed worlds our toys and childhood machinations inhabit before they are thrown away as we grow up. Available on Amazon and Comixology. Hi, I'm Charday. And I'm Lissa. And together we're... The Slovenly Trolls. We're not your average D&D podcast. We do monthly deep dives on topics like D&D art, the early years of TSR hobbies, and rhetoric, all with cited sources. Think of it like a feminist critique of D&D. Or don't. We're not your moms. Or are we? Check us out wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on social media at Slovenly Trolls. Tune in on the first of every month for new episodes. See you there. And don't forget the number one rule of D&D. Don't be a dick. But anyways, back to the actors. I thought Penguin was great. What did you think of uh, Jonathan Turturro as Falcone? So I liked it a lot more than I expected to. And not that I didn't think that Jonathan Turturro would be a good Falcone. I just didn't know what to expect. So I, And like Falcone, traditionally, I'm like, oh, he's just another mobster, right? Yeah. <laughs> Like, there, I mean, not that they're a dime a dozen, but, like, the personality traits sort of get lost. No, I it's interesting that, that he always comes up in the Batman movies, because in the comics, it's just like, like you said, it's a stand-in when they need a mafioso. Exactly. Um, but they're really always, like, always. a main character in the films. Right. And I, I really enjoyed, like, his trying to appear sweet, like, the voice, like, his, his like, not getting excited voice mm-hmm. of just, mm-hmm. like, paternal grandpa sort of sound. Mm-hmm. Even as he's like on the phone call when he strangles uh, Anna or whatever. Yeah, Annika. But he did never change like no inflection. You know what I mean? He just like oh sweetheart. You know what I mean? Like, and I thought that was very good. I thought that it was good in a way. It, yeah, that, it was like, sinister. Right, in a way that also like mob mob like because he seems so approachable and friendly and you know even like at one point you know Bruce goes into him as Bruce. Yeah, he seemed affable. Like, I'm sorry, kid. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Like, oh yeah, I knew your dad, and I saw your when they see him at the funeral. You know, like he seems some like somebody, but like, it's, so it's easy to forget. Hey, he's a monster. Yeah. And so when they do it with the voice call, which is like super graphic, but I think works really well because you don't have to see it to know and like envision what's happening. 
again, like uh, I know we already named Tech Sopranos a couple times, but it reminds me of the scenes where you get of uh, Tony when he cares about his kids, like when he fishes his kid out of the pool. Yeah. Um, you know, he's almost dead and he saves them and he's sitting there and he's loving on his kid. And then the same, like, you know, you know, same season, he's there torturing people. Yeah, exactly. And it, but like still same, I mean, not maybe the same matter. There's a little more emotion when he saves his kid, but like the not like the nonchalance. of the Yeah, 100%. Really... It's, it's business as usual for him kind of thing. And he, that is him. Both are him. And I really, really dug that. Uh, about Totoro, I didn't expect him to be that good as that evil, which was surprising. I, I should have, right? He's such a good actor, but he plays such a comedic role or a straight man role. Um, you know, you just think about like you know Barton Fink or uh, um, uh, the Big Lebowski or something. But yeah, in this, like him being so evil, I'm like, I love it. I wish I could see it more, and I hope now that he got to do some more serious stuff. Not that he hasn't done; he's done tons of serious stuff. But I hope seeing him as something like a gangster in more films becomes a possibility because he was great. I thought so too, and I think that like for me also because of the way that he had acted and like the indifference he sort of faces and you know whatever. At the end, when when they're talking to Kenzie and they're he, they're like he's the mayor of Gotham, right? And but then you, it's like flash in my mind to the like sweet old guy who's like you know doesn't act that put out about stuff, but also doesn't seem he's not. He's not looking power hungry. He doesn't like, he's not like chomping at the bit to start like a turf war or anything like that. Yeah, because he doesn't like, need to. You see, right. And traditionally, you see a lot of that, though. You see Maroni and Falcone, and then eventually, like the Penguin, you see them all sort of like always fighting about turf, and they're, they never really rise above that. Yeah, I think of the scenes from the Red Hood um, or from the Dark Knight. Uh, where it's like there's they're sitting there and they're they're arguing over petty shit and he doesn't have to argue with anybody over petty shit because he's exactly. living his best life just strangling people and taking their passports you know yeah you know and as an one does it's an attention to detail I think that he strangles her himself rather than just having someone else because he's like oh she's gonna trust me she'll talk to me because I have this persona and then even though he's got guys there he doesn't shoot her like he strangles her himself like, right just... and I and I think that that's the little bit of the overtopness um I think it works in the film but like when he mentions to Selena that he's like oh, you know your mom made me do this too like okay like that did, was that necessary to be said here would he even so, give a shit enough to do that so I asked so I have a question about that for you actually sure. is he like canonically in in the comics her dad? Uh, yeah, always? yeah, it's, uh, always? it's, it's, I don't know if it's always Falcone, I could be getting that wrong, but yeah, it's, it's not always necessarily, it was a newer aspect the last, like, decade where it was revealed that, um, she was the daughter of a famous mom, and she takes over the criminal underworld for a long time. I did know about the criminal underworld takeover, but I guess I never realized that it was, like, her, that was her dad, like, I thought that it was. Yeah, it was a lineage thing. Yeah, um, yeah, so, the, like, that, that's, that's not necessarily, like, a new wrinkle, I don't know if it was always tied to Falcone. I can't quite okay. remember that one. Well, that was my, but. like, I thought that, I was like, this is 100% coming from the comics. I was like, but I just wonder if it's always, because some things are, all, you know, like Thomas and Martha, except for alternate universes, always die, right? And they're always shot. And, like, the identity of the shooter and where he comes from, though, changes depending on. Yeah, I don't know if it's always Falcone, but I think it I think it was, um, because it's, it's only been done a few times in, like, the main continuity. It doesn't pop up uh -huh. a lot in other stuff. It's really not a wrinkle that they care about, and that's partly, like, negative to comics, where it's like, oh, she's a girl. She 
She words. She's a cat. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I, uh, you want to talk about <laughs> Selena Kyle then? You want to talk about Zoe Kravitz? Uh, yes. Number one, just a quick tidbit, a little Easter egg for you. Second time as Catwoman. Did you know that? I did not. Where was she first time? The Lego Batman movie. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> That's very funny. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but her second outing, she was probably my favorite part of the entire film. Uh, other than the scene where she first kisses Bruce, I don't think that that was quite right for her necessarily. It didn't seem like she was into him up until that point. But I loved her performance so much. My favorite Catwoman, period. Like, so easy to pick. Uh, played yeah. that Selena Kyle so well. Um, yeah. already a cat burglar. The fact that she had her closet full of lips and chains and shit ready to yeah. go down, like, and she, the scene where she slips out into the night, I thought was so good. I thought the, so. Uh, go ahead. One of my favorite scenes because he's watching and like just like a standard recon, and you can see the moment it changes. Right? Yes. When she puts on the other outfit, and like he then is like question mark question mark question mark is this me like, yeah <laughs> i, I, I love that so much and it, the, like i bought the aspect that they'd be into each other it was just it, from like a second before the kiss to right after it just seemed like a little bit fast but so, anyways yeah. i loved her in it i think that the first kiss yeah i think that that is like a little yeah it seems like it was like okay we gotta rush this because it's got to be the whole portion of the third act right is that they're into really, each other but yeah but i think that like the chemistry was already there oh so, yeah like, once they once they decide once they were like okay they're a thing it worked so well for me yeah i mean partly I just like they were the... both magnetic but like her right. fight and scenes then... as catwoman and like the seductress and like the wearing different wigs and shit Man, yeah. that was just so good. I mean, it's just so classic, like, her... Yes, like, yeah, that's the thing. It felt like the, it was comic book Selena to a T. And uh, she is just so good. Yeah, and I thought, I liked the wigs. I liked the contact scene, like, the surveillance scene, like, in the mirror, her talking to him. I liked that part a lot. 100%. Uh, I think that, um, like, a lot of their... Before, before the kiss, right, like, more of the sexual tension, I think that Matt Reeves did a really good job dictating it based on like the positions that they end up in during yeah. the fight scene when they're hiding in the house like and oh i love that one that one was great i thought that was really right. and cool it's like, this this is sexual in a very sexual right like, like i mean I, let's be honest all fighting is sexual <laughs> you, you like watching ufc there's something to ask yourself you know like there's a there's a question mark there you could argue with me you're wrong uh <laughs> I'm not gonna argue with you, I'm just laughing. That's no, no, I'm talking about the people that are mad at me because I said that. Oh, yeah, they I mean there might be some, but that's fine. <laughs> it, I mean it's all sexual I mean it doesn't have to be, you know You're like, sweaty and grappling with somebody on purpose? Okay. Doesn't yeah, it doesn't have to be something you act on, but there's, you know, a certain level of There's a certain level intimacy. of it, right? Intimacy is there. Anyway, I think, <laughs> I kept telling and Kyle was like at one point he was like, Are they gonna fuck? Right? <laughs> When when she, when he's got her pinned or whatever on the table, he's like, "Are they about to fuck?" He I, he was like, "If you watch a lot of porns that start this way or that happens, in <laughs> because that was like literally like the tension, like it was saturated with it." And then you know, like the holding up against the wall scene too. I was like, "They might fuck." Okay, Kyle might be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, I I really dug that. It felt believable. I like that they violated each other in a couple of different ways and kind of became codependent. Um, yeah. I, I think that that worked as this, like, almost uh, 
problematic relationship uh that, that grew oh, toxic. yeah <laughs> d- definitely toxic so, like that when like we, when he reveals that she that he was watching her and then her like appreciating that he's there later on still watching her um like that was that was real in like a really gross way that well, is like the darkness that would be there like that's just what happens if you're exactly. doing that shit like um and i think it worked really well in the film not condoning any of that by the way when i say that i liked it no, in this film no, no, not no. not a good idea don't do that to people the, the but obsessive when you nature Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, you go ahead. Yeah, I think you're about to say what I was going to say anyways. The obsessive nature of him listening to her saying that she didn't have whatever, like that they were not romantically involved, basically, when he's in the back, and he just keeps listening to the same line. I was like, oh, shit. He mm-hmm. is. Uh, this is problematic, but also I think it works so well because he's already feeling claimy vibes. You yes, know? and that's like when he mentions when when Alfred's like, "Oh, is this someone that you mentioned?" He's like, "Maybe," and I'm like, "Dude, that's some incel shit right there," which is what he would be, right? Exactly. At this point, especially because he is, doesn't have once again work life balance. He doesn't have it. He doesn't. He's dissociating. He doesn't even know anything. And he's like, "I've found someone else with a darkness or with a you know at least a dark side." And really, her whole life is dark, you know, whether she's Catwoman or whether she's just, you know, the bartender downstairs. Right. Um, And so I just I thought that it was really good. I like also, too, that they didn't shy away. He never was like he never once said, well, my life was really hard, even though I had the silver spoon. You know, he didn't try to downplay that. And you saw some of the growth, too. And that's where I'm really, really mixed on the Riddler. I I, um, let's jump into that right there. That's okay. Okay, I saved him for last because I thought that he would. Is there anybody else? I that's exactly what I was gonna say. I'm like, well, before we do that, then is there anybody else you miss? Uh, Andy Serkis as Alfred. I really liked his performance, but similar to Jared Leto, which I didn't like the performance, but similar to when people backlashed about him being the Joker in the Suicide Mm -hmm. Squad film, I you get two scenes of Alfred really, um, really getting to act. So I don't think it's fair to to put a huge opinion on it because he didn't get to do much right he's not a big portion of this film in character like being there as a plot thing like he's a big portion of pattinson's um motivation but so is the joker a big part of the plot but not a big part of of the like the actual aspect so i don't think it's fair to pass too much judgment on him however i will say the scenes that circus is in i really dig them yeah i think so i think so too um i really enjoyed his Exactly. I think the cufflinks, I think that was like, he's like, oh, how, you know, once again, self-absorbed, like, how dare you? I love that. He was my fucking friend, too. Okay. Exactly. (laughs) Like, well, when you're a Wayne, he's like, your father gave me these. He's like, fuck. Exactly. Like, fuck you. (laughs) Exactly. I I love that. And and as much as it, I really wish they would have put more into it, given him a little bit more of that Michael Caine, we're working together thing. I did love him working on the cypher as his morning crossword. That was dope. I thought that, and I think that, like, it's just like a, once again, like, I think that if, I don't know if Matt Reeves is doing a second, I would probably assume that they're doing a second movie. They've announced uh, two sequels now, but they it's okay. still, it's, it's the, like, we've announced 14 movies. I don't think it's as, as cemented as people want to believe, I believe is kind of the okay. vibes of it. They are doing two spinoff TV shows on HBO Max, one starring the Penguin and one about Gotham PD and Arkham Asylum as a thing. Okay. Um, but anyway, what was I, where was I going? Uh, Andy Circus, seeing more of him. I can't remember. I'm oh, sorry. I think, no, it's okay. It's my own fault. I think that it was something to the effect of, like, seeing just little pieces of him. Like, I hope that, oh, okay, I got it. 
now that like he's become now that Robert pa- like Batman has become less self-absorbed I think that we will see more of him like I want him to include Alfred more rather than Alfred like intruding yes and yes sort of known. like mom get out of my room right but I think that that's a really real like the reason that we don't see a lot of Alfred and the reason that like even though he like does so much and is assisting with so much and whatever is because they don't have that kind of relationship yet like obviously at the beginning of the movie and until Alfred really gets hurt He's self-absorbed. He has taken it for granted. And when he even says, like, I thought that I had, like, killed that fear, but then I realized that I hadn't. Like, he was attempting, once again, like, through the dissociation or whatever it is, to, like, act like he didn't care about him. And Alfred was just not buying it the whole time. <laughs> yeah, and the, I'm not, I, it's never uh, – I don't think there's a reason for it. I think sometimes, especially as a writer, I'm going to play that card. As a writer, um, you, I can justify every decision I make in a story, right? Mm-hmm. I can go, well, you just don't understand. It's because of this. That doesn't always make it good, you know? No, I, and I don't think it always makes it good. I just mean that I... I No, I think you're right. I think exactly what you said, because he's supposed to keep people out so we don't get much Alfred. However, then they expect you to give a fuck when he dies because Pattinson gives a fuck. But you don't give a f- enough fuck about Pattinson, which you do. So I guess there's a little bit of a it's it's subjective, right? But mm-hmm. I think if Andy Serkis was played by any other actor, like if Alfred there was was not Andy Serkis, I think it wouldn't have worked at all. Does that make sense? Um. Yeah. I guess it's hard for me because he, it was Andy. It was Andy Serkis. That's the thing. Yeah, but like, because like I said, those two scenes almost made me cry. Uh yeah. the the cufflinks thing again. I, I have my dad's cufflinks, you know what I mean? Like, like it, it, it hits me in a special place kind of thing. But also the scene at the hospital, I'm like, man, he, these two, everybody in this film is so fucking good. And I think that's sometimes like the, the fact that I didn't think it was a perfect film is why it hurts so much is because if there was going to be a perfect Batman film, it would be this team. Okay. To me, at yep. least. Like, that That's why I think sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, uh, it's because this is my dream project, basically. Matt Reeves is one of my favorite directors, period. So, um, well, the fact that it doesn't that, hit on all cylinders is why I keep coming back to some negatives. Um, before we get into Paul Dano, hopefully yeah. we'll get to see, uh, Matt Reeves do it again and maybe... God, I hope so. I hope so. And not that I think he can try again, because I still think this is a fucking great film. Uh, but I want to see more, and I want to see a sequel of it, and I, I just I want to see more of this world. And as much as I'm excited about Michael Keaton coming back as Batman in the DCEU, I'm not a big fan of a lot of the DCEU stuff. Um, that's really cool. I I would I want Pattinson as the Batman and all of those things. Uh, yeah, I don't I think mean, it lines up at all, right? But just said, like, I don't want to do anything like that. I don't think I'll go to Marvel because I don't want to be limited in what I can do, and I would yeah. be because there's other story that they're trying to fit into it. It's not like you can just start from him, you know. Unless, they can't yeah, unless... slide him into it. Like the boy, the reason why the Batman works in the animated series Justice League is because that we had Batman the animated series first. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but anyways, um, let's uh, last person. I think maybe there there might be a few. Um, let's talk about GCPD people um, and the victims. Okay. Um, okay. I love Jeffrey Wright as Gordon. Um, yep. Him and um, uh, who's Sirius Black? Help me out. Uh, Gary, Oldman. Yeah, um, Gary Oldman. I still think Gary Oldman is higher for me than Jeffrey Wright because Gary Oldman gets more screen time. Uh, but I love Jeffrey Wright as Gordon. 
Uh, he was right. so good. I love the scene where he's like, listen, man. And then he likes, you know, he's mean mugging for everybody to see. But he's like, you got to punch me in the face. We got to get you out of here. That whole thing. That was so fucking good. Um, yeah. And the whole line of he's like, oh, man, I would have hoped you would have pulled the punch. And he's like, I did. That was the I most did. Batman thing fucking ever. I loved I, it. Yeah, I did pull the punch. <laughs> that was so good. And him sneaking off. And he's like, listen, man, I'm putting my neck out on the line for you. And Batman's just like, you need to do more. <laughs> that that was my that was my best um uh uh at, at batman the animated series batman uh but <laughs> pattinson doesn't sound anything like that at all uh but i love jeffrey wright in this i loved him investigating i like that he's a good detective and a good cop but batman is better at the weird like sherlock rain man shit of like jumping yeah, of to the form of the exactly. like jeffrey wright doesn't need to be good at riddles to be a good fucking cop you know exactly and i saw some people online like oh he's a bad detective like no a good detective doesn't have to be able to fucking solve a psychopath's riddles he's got to be able to follow the evidence and do his job which gordon is very good at in this film exactly Exactly. and he knows when to ask for help and who to ask help from which is another big portion of being a good cop um and so i i really really liked that with him i think he looked the part like the mustache and everything um, the disheveled, disheveled look. I wish we could have got a little bit more of him, just period. But working with, like, maybe taking the case home, uh, seeing him interact with more cops, I think would have been more interesting. Um, there And to say there's not enough room for it is kind of weird, right? This movie's three hours fucking long. <laughs> Honestly, though, so I know that you've talked about the three hours. How did you feel about the runtime? Did you feel it was too long? I think there was a few shots that w- went too long. Like, there was a few artsy-fartsy things that were like, really, this isn't necessary. But as a whole, I didn't think the three hours was a bad thing. I like longer-ass movies, you know. if it, Especially if I'm into something, if I like it. If I'm watching the film and it's good, just I want it to keep going. I don't want it to end. Um, I think a better film can be done with better editors and bringing it down a bit. Um, there, but there were a few shots I thought were gratuitous. Uh, I didn't like the walk-up after the explosion up to penguin uh i think they should have ended with him walking out of the fire i don't think they needed to have him walk all the way up and bend over backwards down. Yeah. i thought it was i thought it was funny when he, it like, was fun th- this shouldn't have been funny it was such a cool scene and now i'm laughing right uh, now i'm laughing with the penguin I didn't, I didn't think it detracted from the scene i just was like <laughs> there's a part of it where i thought was cool because like he's kind of weird right so the penguin being like who the fuck is this guy i thought that was yeah. it fits with it a little bit but i'm like it just would have been cool if they ended it the 45 minute motorcycle uh, race leave cue flirtation thing at the end of the film with him that, and Catwoman no, that, went yeah. 10 minutes too long. That was, yeah, that was. I mean, and, I feel like if you just would have showed the one scene at the beginning and then showed them splitting into different directions and Yes. But instead, we got Fast and Furious 7, uh, <laughs> Paul Walker fucking dr- taking his exit off the highway. Like, what the fuck was happening, man? Why oh, yeah. does this need to go so long? She's going to be in the next film. Jesus Christ. It was odd. Yeah, uh, they said she's going to Bloodhaven, too. I was like, which, hey, How the fuck know. is she going to Bloodhaven? All the roads are closed. <laughs> the yeah, city's fucking is- flooded. Everything's fucking flooded. I had know? issues there. I had issues with that. Um, but maybe she wasn't going directly to Bloodhaven. Maybe she was going somewhere else first. Well, I mean, she's got to be going to pick up her cat jet ski because that's the only way she's getting there. <laughs> like, that was kind of dumb. Like, just, like, they just took 10 minutes of news footage being like, it's no man's lands. It's, you know, Batman Zero Year with the Riddler destroying half the city. And then she's like, but this highway's good, right? Like, we're good to take the tunnel. 
Um, I gotta hop on the 405, right? Like, like, we run this way? Who knows? Yeah, that's fine. It's funny, too, because you look at Gotham, the way they have set up, they're like, okay, it's simultaneously downstate, it's actually New York, it's on the coast, most of it is into the ocean, but then also it's, you know, 45 minutes upstate New York. Like, how big is fucking Gotham? I mean, it's pretty big. Gotham seems like it's the same size as Marvel's version of Hell's Kitchen. Right, where it's just like this is most of the state, right? <laughs> so funny. Sorry, this is one of my nitpicky things. Like, oh, it's okay. Like, um, I, I have a lot of issues with the MCU stuff, but every time they talk about Hell's Kitchen, I'm like, there's like four blocks, man. Like, you can't still be in Hell's Kitchen. Like, you're at least in Harlem. How the hell are you doing this? Exactly. How slow are you running, Daredevil? Um, sorry. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah. Sorry um the jeffrey wright was awesome i liked the martinez character i like like there's all like it happens in every film so it's it's well trodden but i think this one if they're gonna do the trope of cop who's like look at this freak as batman where it's like okay the, what are you nine like <laughs> you call somebody a freak <laughs> to uh, by the end being like i'll help you batman everybody, everybody <laughs> hey he's, he's spider-man pull the cranes around Come on, guys! It's Hell Spider-Man. Like that's what he is by the end of the film, you know. Um, every every single superhero movie period has that, but every Batman movie definitely. But I thought he did a good job, and some of the other cops were cool. I thought it was a little hokey. He's like, not all the cops, and there's like 400 of them. I think it would have been way better served if there was like six out front when Falcon right, exactly. did that. Like, and also, how have you vetted them? Like, how have like, you vetted them? He's had no like. Very clearly, Gordon doesn't sleep. His only friend's Batman. Doesn't even know his first name. But you were able to identify all the good cops. <laughs> I was confused. Yeah, I was a little confused about that. Like, I know that he hopes to believe that those are, you know, whatever. But <laughs> I think it was meant to be like, okay, clearly up, he's setting up the the special crimes unit that that he does before he becomes commissioner. Like, it was right. cool homage there. Right. But like, yeah, there was too many cops out front that were all good cops. Come on, in this economy, please. Um. Anyway, so Jeffrey Wright, GCPD. Anybody else we want to hit? Yeah, I wanted to talk about Coulson. Okay, okay, yeah. A little bit. Uh, Peter Sarsgaard. Yeah, because um, he was like, I mean, all the other victims were got a scene, right? But he got two or three. Yeah, well, and he does the, I think that he played like the, um, I, I expected him honestly to be creepier, like at the scene when he leaves the club and he's like, hey, I can give you a ride. Yeah, no, he's just pathetic. Yeah, no, exactly. And then I was like, oh okay so i can now see and once that happened and she was like get the fuck and she got in the taxi but he didn't like try to attack her yeah he didn't grab her armor and he was like oh interesting choice like i like this okay that's a different kind of character and then it's revealed too like he's got a family and he was like no 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 like he's gonna kill me i'm fine with it i still got kids man like i that he was nuanced oh exactly yeah i think that that was um pretty good too and also when he's like trying to do the riddles and he's like Batman's like helping him. He's like screaming into the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that the scene in the church, um, I really enjoyed. Or is it a church? I assume. I think it was a church. <laughs> It'd be it's weird if it movie. wasn't. Maybe a courthouse, but no, I'm pretty sure well, that was a church. Yeah, but a lot of times it's like you know big government buildings like that. Maybe they were. They yeah, big government buildings, especially like in older it. cities, look like that. That's why I said maybe a courthouse. Um, yeah. like all the wooden but, shit. Yeah, but anyway, um, I thought that that scene was really good, and I think that him getting blown up <laughs> was so funny. That never would happen to Batman, you know, ten years from where well, he's at now, or five years. We'll get into it a little bit more since we're on character stuff, but I do want to mention that was one of the scenes where 
I saw a lot of people's faces like, what the fuck? If it was a different Batman, he would have been undoing the collar. When he's like, answer the question, it would have been revealed. He undid the collar like 15 minutes ago, you know? He was just using exactly. it to put the fear of God in him before he threw it away. Right, but no, then he's, re I mean, you just see that he's young, which I really appreciate it. Let's go to Paul Dano. Yes, before uh, we get, yeah, we'll get into that. Other side. Let's jump to Paul Dano. I love him. What do you think? I thought it was incredible. He's fucking unhinged. It was so viscerally unmoving. Um, <laughs> you know, unfeeling. It was, yeah. it was fucking, it was wild. Like, it. It was so good. And I, I know that oh, he, he was so good in There Will Be Blood. Oh, I think that's partly why we and you were going to love him no matter what, because that's one of our favorite right. movies. Like, exactly. that movie's so um, goddamn good. And he's partly why it's so damn good. Yeah, exactly. Like, he is, because it's the same creepy, but it goes down to his channel differently, right? Like, Quick aside, as we are wont to do on this podcast, podcast, because this is, if anything, a commercial for ADHD medication. Is Paul Dano both the priest and the brother? So are they twins, or is he the same guy and he was conning him? What's your theory for there will be blood? Um, so I think he's the same guy. He's being the same guy. <laughs> I always thought he wasn't, and uh, I've had people like, and I go back and forth because people have given me some really compelling evidence for it. Yeah. Um. Plus, you know, the amount of evangelists that are pieces of shit, you know. So I can see it both ways, but I, I've always loved that debate that came out of that film. That was one of the first movies I saw growing up that made me go, oh, shit, like, people aren't – we don't all just agree this is what the story is? Yeah, I I just – and I, I don't know that I've ever really gone back and forth on it, but, like, that's always been the vibe that I got. And when I found out that people, like, thought – not that i was like how <laughs> <laughs> you know and it was the exact opposite for me because i was like oh cool he's got a twin that's really cool and he hates him so much that he's gonna kill his fucking twin over it uh spoilers for there will be blood <laughs> okay, from 2017 i know watched it long so watch it one time but like at least watch it once watch it one time though it's so good i said the same thing my wife's never seen it and i was like how have you never seen it? let's watch it she's like it says it's like two hours and 45 minutes I'm like worth it though come on um but anyways and he saw like a list of like oh all these movies that you should see and so we were watching some of them and we watched that and he's like what did i just watch <laughs> and I was like, yeah and he's like the creep he's like it just felt like it was kept like the tension was just building it never cuts it felt it's like safty's like uncut gems basically Stop. Sorry, sorry, I said it wrong. Uncut Johns. I was Jeff Safdie's news, you know. <laughs> but yeah, or Good Time, like with Robert Pattinson. Like, yeah, the, the tension yeah. never cuts there. But one of the, no, like, never. again, to bring it back, Paul Dano, yeah. both roles or the same role, some believe, um, was so good in that. <laughs> and I and I think he pulls that vibe here. Um, Obviously, a little bit more unhinged, a little bit more deranged. Uh, yeah. Um, I want to hear Sometimes. your full thoughts on him before, because like I'm a little bit more divisive on the character, um, and some of the stuff that has to do with the plot that I wanted to mention. But I want to get into like what we specifically liked about the acting. So I thought the acting was incredible. The scene at the end when he's in the cell, um, and Robert pa and he's like, like I said, like we'd already talked about, where he's like making it seem like he knows who, or you know. Bruce thinks that he knows that he's about to be exposed and whatever, and he, like, looks at the camera. And then he, like, realizes that we're not the same. You know, I thought that, like, him basically telling him, hey, I've been doing an homage to you. Like, we're in this exactly. together. Exactly. Like, I don't like the... you, psychopath. Yeah, the copycat serial killer. Like, oh, like, we're, you're gonna break me out of here. Like, we're all, we're in this together, right? Like, where the fuck did you get this? And, and but like, you believe it as he's saying it. 
No, well, and that's the whole thing. And I think that's a big reason why he realizes that, like, hey, fear is not effective. Like, this guy thinks that we're on the same side because I'm so scary. <laughs> like, because I'm using the same sort of fear. And so, um, I th- and then he, like, starts screaming, though, and he's, like, really upset in the scene, oh! obviously. And I was, like, the creepy breathing and the watching through the thing. I like the parallels there between, like, when Bruce is also using the binoculars to look at Selena. Um, but the, really the his enjoyed. him playing up the a a neurotypical you know like yeah, the, yeah. the 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 he's just a little bit off that kind of thing the scream is what did it for me right like there was yeah. tons of stuff that people the affectations that people played well but the just i don't know what to do here so i yell that was yeah. too real for me that that gave yeah. me goosebumps because I've, I've seen that in real life you know and like that made me uncomfortable in my seat <laughs> Well, and not only that, but, like, I think even the scene when he's in the coffee shop, like, when the, or he's in the diner or whatever, and he, the like, smile. looks up, and he just... He looked like yeah, he was CG! That's how creepy he was. It was so creepy, and I was like, Jesus. <laughs> um, I thought that, like, the scene, uh, like, so honestly, uh, speaking of, like, sexual tension, the first victim that he does when he gets on his back, I was like... Oh, what the fuck? To, like, I thought he was right, peeing was, like, for a minute. I thought, well, so he gets the duct tape or whatever, right, to do his head. But I was like, is he about to try to, are they about to allude to the fact that he's, like, going to fuck this guy? Like after Yeah, no, dead? yeah, it was it was weird. And that, I, uh, you know, another quick tangent. Man, th- this movie is not PG-13, right? Like, <laughs> no. Maybe, so, and, like, I, I loved it because they essentially did seven shit, but they just cut away before they showed the violence. They're like, no, this isn't PG-13. We got our one fuck it. I mean, this isn't radar. We got our one fuck um there's no blood we pull away every time but honestly the implied violence was rated r heavily like i i really dug that they were like no this is this is the movie you saw i don't know why we're pg-13 but we are it just it (laughs) but yeah definitely those vibes from him there with the creepy mask and um the incel stuff and the live streaming on the dark web yeah, I thought that that was – so I thought that, like, him using – like, I thought that the social commentary that Matt Reeves did, well, for some people, it really broke, right, the – and, I mean, it's not all social commentary. Like, there are just people like that. But his drawing attention to, like, the people that are like, oh, our whole city is corrupt. Very QAnon, right? Like, very 100%. 100% But then also, like, online, you know, like, oh, you know, we'll all do the same thing with you. Don't forget your cling wrap. Don't forget – I was like, oh, my God. Because it's like there are people, you know, incels and, and incidents that have happened, terrorist incidents that have happened where it's like they were edged on or, you know – Yeah, they thought they found a community there. Exactly. And, it, and so it's like I thought that was very um, telling of – like the social commentary like i said it doesn't have to necessarily be social commentary it just is but it just is though yeah it it just happens to be really realistic there um it's just like like how he kind of drops his vibe a little bit when it's just streaming to the 500 people rather than putting out the video for like the police to see where he's just like hey guys thank you so much for the support yeah thanks for subscribing to my channel yeah i was like whoa man this is scary thank you for all the help on how to make bombs because that's the truth like you know parlor and fortune and all that kind of stuff yeah 100 percent. where you can find don't forget telegram you can can find them on facebook though too you know it's not just it's just it's just anywhere that you want to look but those are just you know notoriously known to promulgate that kind of stuff yeah and so i thought that the commentary of like all of the officials are corrupt they all do these things they're all like bad and like that's true like power does corrupt but also it's so telling once again because 
of the current times that we live in and the quote-unquote save the children and the you know the jeffrey epstein stuff like it was all very it, it felt like it was a way that people who maybe were not big batman fans but could relate right they're like oh yeah this is like even though the whole movie is fantastical this is like an element that is real that is a thing that could be real in my own life and, and, and it still it still sets up as batman as the protagonist even though they're showing that there's similarities batman doesn't yeah. kill innocent people whereas in yeah. the riddler's groups were completely fine with that they're like no but because even bruce wayne they're like no it's not your fault but you got to pay for the sins of your father yeah, because i read father. that in that book that one time so well, and uh, honestly <laughs> When they shot the mayor-elect, I thought they shot her right in the head. They didn't, turns out, so she's alive. Yeah, they shot her in the gut, and she was able to walk fine through that water. I was Her character I was really mixed on. When she's on screen, yeah. I thought like she's powerful, and I and I liked the idea that she was kind of the misguided like millennial, like, no, I'm going to be out there with those people. Meanwhile, Gordon's like, you're going to get fucking shot in the head, dude. What are you doing? But she she's a good actress, like so I was I was really weird with that role. That's partly why I didn't mention it earlier. I'm like, no, I liked her, and I, I really liked when she was like, hey, you need to be doing more for this city. But they didn't let her do much, you know? Like, So it was kind of just a weird role for that character, I think. Yeah, I just feel like it wasn't the focus. I'm hoping that if there's a second movie that we'll see more. Uh, yeah, I would like to see more of her just to, like – that actress seems like she's does like she does a good job, and it seems like they were setting up something more with her. Um, yeah, and maybe her interacting with Jeffrey Wright might be what more like what I'm missing there. Her, it's Jamie uh, Lawson. Okay, Jamie Lawson. I feel like they had some yeah. cut scenes of her. They just seemed like there was something more that they were planning to do with her in the film that we never got to see. Uh -huh. she's Which again, be... weird and three hours fucking long. <laughs> yeah, she's gonna be the young Michelle Obama in the. Uh... Oh, dope. Okay, more like, is she gonna be the new like um political actor? Like, like it's like you see those people who always play the president in films. I don't know. Um, I don't know what else she's done. I don't know that she has a huge career. I just know I just had been watching the Michelle Obama movie, <laughs> obviously. Like, <laughs> Are you um, excited about that? Is that gonna be good? I don't know. I, I, you know, I own Michelle Obama's book, but I never got around to checking it out. I don't really know her story. Is that going to be a movie I need to watch I for? Think, I think I think it's going to be pretty good. Yeah, I've heard some cool things about it. Okay. So, I'll um, put it I'm on the excited. radar. Or maybe it's not. I'm looking at it right now. It's not a movie. I'm sorry. It's a TV series. I'd, I'd rather watch TV series. Like, I love a TV series biopic. Like, I'm so excited to start um, uh, The Dropout on Hulu. Okay. Like, so, like, like sign me up, man. I'll fucking watch that. Especially they, when they dramatize, like, her and Obama meeting and there's, like, some weird tension. I'm fucking into it. Let's do it. Yeah, when she's like, hey, maybe don't be a bitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, like, that's the one thing I know. Exactly. Like, <laughs> like, hey, you need to step up your game. Like, that's the one thing. So, all right. Anyways, weird thing. Anyway. Um, uh, so, I think that Paul Dano is um, really, like, I just think the costume, everything about it fucked up. But, um... <laughs> When he's when he's screaming into the phone about like the answers when he does the phone call when they're at the church, the Ave Maria throughout. So we haven't really talked about sound yet, but it, you know it's always a big anybody who's listened to the show knows it's always a big thing for me personally. Ten out of ten for this, uh, Michael Giacchino. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. You are, or, or, or uh, yeah, I'm pretty or Giacchino, something yeah. like that. Yes, uh, he's like a Giacchino. Pixar guy. Yeah, oh, yeah, it no, he's all over the place. He's the new Hans Zimmer. He's fucking everywhere. It was incredible. The horn noises in the sound, it was so good. I and I, and specifically good. the score. Like, that's the thing is, I love yeah. the sound, like, the sound across the board, but the score, the Batman theme, and they yeah. use it. They, it's in every fucking scene. Like, they way overuse it, and I'm here for it. It's so cool. Honestly, 
everything, yeah, everything about it, like the music, but the Ave Maria throughout. Yeah, I saw a lot of people be like, "Why was he singing that song?" And I'm like, "Well, if you if you watch the film, he's actually that's going on the whole movie." Um, the whole, from the beginning to the end, yeah. And then he sings it in the cell. I yeah. was like, "So good." And it was like, was it wasn't cool. random, but I could see like if you're not listening really closely, I could see you being like, "Why the fuck is he like?" It's it would be a little cringy if he just starts singing that randomly, you know. I agree, but because I paid attention like because i mean even like when thomas, <laughs> even the clip the thomas wayne clip right like that's what they're singing that's the what they're singing in the background right it's just all full circle and so i and it's and it's a chilling song right it's like got big haunting gregorian chant vibes <laughs> so, <laughs> not that it's meant to be but like it's, it's a little bit a little bit same vibes the way that it's, yeah it's just you know ominous vibes is really like <laughs> Ethereal so have you have that? you said your piece on Paul Dano so I can get into mine because I don't want to shoehorn anything yes, over sorry. your good vibes. No, no, no. No, no, you don't have to be I'm, sorry. I, so I had problems with it too, but like I well, hit me good. with yours because that's oh, the whole segue. Cop, good cop, bad cop. You can okay, you can all right. It. Because okay, so all the good stuff, I'm I'm I agree with you 100 percent across the board. My few issues I have with them, as, with him being so unhinged, I think it does. Uh, stop him from any growth in later movies. You can't get into any of the silly Riddler if he's a serial killer, right? Um, I, I'm, I'm okay with that for this film. I think that means uh, it's going to be weird if we ever see him in a, like a top hat, you know? Uh, well, the only thing <laughs> I will say is, so to that point, is at the end, right? Obviously, the Joker illusion is there. Perhaps if he... Because he's on because he chills with the Joker for a little while, to steal some of those medication, vibes. Medication, or he's doing drugs. And I something. think that's where they're gonna go with it, and I think it's gonna be yeah. kind of cringy. You think it's gonna be cringe? I think so a little bit, but I do like well, when you say meditation. I like the idea of him centering himself and being like, "I need to calm down a bit." I think that'll be really interesting. Right, like maybe I could be better. Like, what did I what did I have wrong here? Like, maybe I need some sort of something to help me, and then he can be. I don't know that it'll ever be fun, but I think then you can see either uh, yeah. that or. It's extra creepy because he's wearing the top hat, right? Like, he's like, <laughs> totally unhinged. And he's, like, no longer, like, you know, a QAnon serial whatever. He's instead, like, I don't give a single fuck. I'm going to let right. everyone know who I am. And I'm going to wear a fucking top hat. But I am crazy. <laughs> and so, it's like. You have to fucking kill me. You know that? <laughs> I, I like that, though. Because, like, uh, my favorite version of him is probably from the Arkham games. I think that's probably the best version of the okay. Riddler um but and i could see this one growing into that like you said like with some meditation that could be an interesting thing so my next negative i think i have with it um is tied to one of my positives so i love the subtle thing where they're like oh i was an accountant and i found this on the ledger and it made me lose my mind because that's the most real accountant thing i have ever fucking heard um whenever you hear about stories coming out where like people the big case is broken wide open it wasn't a detective it wasn't some person. It's like, uh, or if it is a detective, it's like Will Ferrell's character from the other guys. Yeah. It's somebody looking at the ledger. Like, it came down to like, oh, that number, they carried the one and added 14 zeros. That's how every case has been solved ever. It's, um, I mean, like the forensic unit of the IRS. Right? Exactly. They carry, guns, like, they carry guns, people. They will come to your office and they will audit you. And also, in the amount of accountants, going to accounting school, they're all fucking unhinged. We're all secretly psychopaths. I'm just saying it now. Like, that's just how have it works. You, have you seen the movie The Account with Ben Affleck? Oh, I fucking love it. Uh, okay, so it's not a good film, but I love it. No, no. But that's the same, you know, that's the vibe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways, so I, I thought that was a really interesting aspect of it. 
the I love that everyone is an orphan in this. It really ties everyone's origins together. I'm sure we're going to find out Oswald Cobblebot, also orphan. Um, it just seems like what they were going with it, but it worked. However, there's a few things I think don't work, and I feel like they could have. It's like when you listen to a song, and you're like, why didn't you do this rhyme instead of that one? That one was weak. This one would be much better. That's how I felt about it. Like They're so close to the whole orphan thing. So why didn't they just make um, Edward Nigma hush? Like why wasn't they, why didn't they just combine those two characters? They mentioned Thomas Elliot, um, being like the journalist that that yeah. got, gets killed. Why yeah. wasn't why wasn't the Riddler his son and then sent to the orphanage that was supposed to be the Wayne Manor orphanage that now had no money while everyone cared about Bruce Wayne? I feel like it would have just hit it just a little bit harder, right? Yeah, I agree. So like that part was a little bit rough for me. What were you gonna say? I thought the same thing. Okay, okay, cool. So I'm not crazy <laughs> on that. I, I was just like, ah, missed no. opportunity, I feel like. That I think would have worked just a little bit better. I thought that's where it was going. After same, start, I was like, same. oh, okay. I also think that would have made the whole reveal of the Waynes being evil just a little bit better. Like, and they're not evil, obviously, but like that, that being their fault and the Wayne Manor fun being thing. Because that whole idea that it's the orphans rising up, I really dug that. I also think if they would have alluded to some of his goons and the people dropping at the old Wayne Manor Estate Orphanage being the orphans that were also there with Edward Nash, I think that would have also been really good. Um, did you get that um, vibe? Did you think that those were orphans or just random people? So, no, I got the vibe of just random people. Because the one guy is, you know, considerably older and he's the guy that that Bruce sees in the church. Right? Yeah, and he's like, yeah. looking about his daughter or whatever. So, like, for me, that wasn't it. That wouldn't... Because also, like, I think it, it's more powerful it just being random strangers that identify rather I, than... I think, I think that, yeah, there's positives on both sides. I definitely agree. Just as I was saying that, I'm like, yeah, no, I do like the just, like, nah, there's lots of us out there, you know? Right, because otherwise it's like, oh, okay, so this, this couldn't happen because they all came from the same place, so they all were already friends. And it's like, no, that's not the point. Like, the right. point is other people have felt suffered... <laughs> <laughs> throughout the city yeah i i agree i agree i just um i i think that they they set that up a little weirdly with the orphanage and i think if we would have got just a little bit more time and effort on that portion of it with it being a three-hour movie and some weird focuses elsewhere i think that was just one portion that i think could have alleviated my problems with the big twist being this is all thomas wayne's fault uh, I think if they would have hammered that home just a little bit more, that would have made his motivations a little bit bigger, and I think would have worked a little bit better. Um, but all of that being said, I like it. Do you think that they're going to use the power of orphans to really hammer home that he's trying to fix that with Dick Grayson in a future um, movie? I hope so. I I don't know that we'll – the whole thing is – if we only get one more Matt Reeves movie, I know that they've signed up for two and the shows and whatever, but if we only get one, I don't know if I want it to be one where they bring in Dick. I don't think it would work just one more. I want to see more of this right. Batman solo. Um, exactly. But if there, if the theme was like the whole orphan thing, right, was that, okay, Thomas fucked up. That's one thing. Like we saw that he's like, okay, I need to be hope, but I want the second one to play into, hey, I need to not just be hope. I need to fix what my dad did. And well, even though so, he wasn't the worst person ever, it's his fault that the billionaire fund was taken away and that the orphanage, you know, like, like, you know, Nigma said, or I keep calling him Nigma, but they don't allude to that name at all in this. Nash keeps saying that there was like babies freezing to death at the orphanage. 
so my whole thing is, and I guess that maybe, may, I'm going to watch the movie again in theaters, I think, Wednesday. But, so, my my whole thing is, and maybe I understood this plot point wrong, is that the renewal fund, right, they set it up, and then when they died, there was no oversight. The money didn't just go away. I thought there was no oversight. So then, mafiosos, all they did was applied, took all the money, so then Falcone had gotten access to all this money. Right, and because Bruce never stepped up and never took interest in the company, yeah, like he wasn't there to provide oversight. No, so that's per- think- you're all per- perfectly right. Like it, okay. it went to it, it went to Falcone, but also all of the other you know, uh, um, corrupt politicians and officials right. that yeah. were part the of corrupt it. People. Yeah, yeah, so you're all right there. So, so you're saying that when that happened, they just they withdrew the money that they had given to the orphanage, and it went towards those other places because there was no oversight. Who's they? Wait, say that again. So my confusion is, and maybe you can edit this out. I don't know if you want this on here. My confusion oh, is, like, why is that the orphanage not having funding? Because the the money was supposed to go to places like the orphanage, right? Right. They they took all of the money and it went all to the corrupt people and didn't go to any of the places it needed to go. Right. But not until after he died. So I don't know how this is. He like, just I mean, set I'm, it up I'm, and then it went away. Like it, he didn't get a chance to do anything. It was during his mayoral campaign that he set it up. Right. But so, but what I'm saying is like, if he died, like why are people blaming? And I'm not saying he's not to blame for other things. And like, he could have, you know, people aren't blaming him. It was just Nigma saying, cause okay, like so if he, cause if, so if, if Thomas Wayne wouldn't have tried to bribe the guy and get that guy killed, he would have never, he like, he would have never died himself. So the funds never would have went to it. because he was corrupt. It caused the whole issue, basically. So this is like, uh, so this is the problem that I'm having with it. Is just in torts we analyze but for cause, right? And there's too yeah. many intervening factors. Yeah. And so in this, case, it's not like really a, Thomas Wayne's fault that the money went to corrupt people. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That was what I was. I was like, did I miss? Like, did did they like then stop? But no, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, it was just that, like, because he did that, it was all the domino effects. Because he was corrupt, because he didn't choose to be the thing that he was trying to say he was yeah. in his mayoral campaign, he yep. he set up the whole thing that put Falcone in power, right? But even though he got himself killed, it also put him in power, which then meant the money that was supposed to go to those orphanages had no oversight in the bad person. Not just, like, too, it wasn't just that that money didn't go to the orphanages. They took no. more money than that. Right, and they, yeah, and it went to bad, po- but exactly. like my whole thing is like Bruce is more to blame for that. I, I agree. That's what I want them to play into the next one. Is like, right. so I guess I just said he's got to fix his his sins of his father, right? Not just that, but he needs to fix his own. Like, show him that he needs right. to step up and do that. I, I completely agree, and that's where like I want to see him fix up that manner, and then I want him to go. It's not enough. I'm saving that kid, and then the real twist is when you know whatever when he goes to the circus and. Those guys that he didn't stop Spider-Man style, you know, uh, kills Dick Grayson's parents. He's like, this is the real thing. Like, he doesn't feel good just saving those other orphans. He's going to step up and be what Alfred was for him kind of thing. So maybe if... I would like to see that by the end of the second movie, maybe. Yeah, at the end of a second movie, maybe then. But I just, you know I love Dick Grayson, my favorite favorite comic book person all time. Really? Um, I thought that was Tim Drake. Well, okay. Overall, no, I like Dick better. I think Tim Drake is the best Robin. Oh, interesting, because I'm right there with you. I love Dick Grayson. No, yeah, I think, but I think that Dick Grayson is a perfect character. Like, uh, and I like him better as Nightwing than I do as Robin, because I think Tim Drake is a better Robin. But I, I like him better, better as Batman. Let's, I'll take that a step well, further. Yeah, no, true. true. <laughs> yeah, 
Like, I think he's a really, really good Batman. Um, I feel like we should do a different podcast on this. And if you want to hear us talk about Robins and the different intricacies, you could go back and check out Right in the Fields episode of The Robins. You can go listen to us talk about that, true. maybe. It's it's a good episode. I have a lot of thoughts. A <laughs> uh, lot of opinions. <laughs> But, <laughs> but yeah that's where i'd like to see the sequel go and that was like my issue with the riddler was purely plot wise it wasn't necessarily that and like all the things that you, the, all the intervening factors that you mentioned we're gonna go full legalese mm. here um that is partly why I, that's the weaker part of him is okay he's blaming him for everything and that's the big twist but also it's like that doesn't really seem like it's well that I think adds that up necessarily being, um a typical like neurally typical i think that that like the the fixation on it like yeah he, and he could follow it back to the start right he's right, an accountant he followed a, the money right like he could have always you know he lived a fine life as an accountant he could have like kept going or tried to make change a different way but like because of they're trying to shade or color it as there's some sort of perhaps mental illness perhaps pro pro proliclivity you know what i mean like that then he focuses hyper focuses on it and he can't see any of the intervening factors or like maybe that there might be extenuating circumstances yeah because i think even if there is i think like you said the hyperfixation, but also he doesn't care that there are right if you look right, if you exactly, follow the money it starts and ends with thomas wayne so well, and that fits his narrative too right like 100 okay, percent, it fits his narrative. that's exactly what i was going to say where it's like well it, if it, i look at it like this this is i can do what i want to do Right, incel logic. Like, I, yeah. mean, I can make this select cherry picket and not look at the whole thing objectively. And, I mean, part of that might be, you know, like, he has some sort of mental thing that doesn't allow him to do that, whatever. But it leads him to this place, so. I think the mental issue yeah. you're looking for is asshole. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to think. Wasn't, didn't Nigma have some sort of. Maybe. I think there's so many different versions of him. Um, yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah, you can look at it in a million different ways. I think the, the fact that autism is a spectrum, uh, m a lot of oh, comic book characters you can look at go, oh, hey, uh, you have I'm some interesting say, in tho in like, thoughts. No, no, I'm not trying to say that like because he's because he is potentially on like an autism spectrum. Um, I'm, I mean, like some sort of like OCD, like obsessive fixation sort of thing. Yeah, just a, a neurotypical. Um, right. But again, like all those things fall onto different spectrums. I think anybody who you look at a like a character who's uh, what they call quote unquote flawed in comic books, you go, oh no, they just think differently. That's just not something that we were uh, privy to, you know, writing comics in a lot of those older ages. They're just like, this guy's weird. Wasn't talked about, and honestly, just the medical science wasn't there to explain it uh, you know? i mean some of it was they just ignored it because that's oh, not yeah, it's like when you it see people uh talked about but i mean like some of the more nuanced things that have come out like in the last i'm thinking like 40 years but i mean comics have been around since the fucking 30s or whatever right right too i just look at like like um uh, did always comes up you know like dissociative uh identity disorder yeah. Um, not really a thing. It's not really how it works. They, they've they put so much work into it, and a lot of people have known for a long time that that's not how it works, but that's not as interesting as I have a split personality and that one killed the guy. Um, right. You know what I mean? So it's it's similar oh, yeah. for me when I go, it's like, no, 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 it's okay to say, like, oh, that killer is on the autism spectrum. Maybe that's why he thinks a certain way. That doesn't make him the serial killer part. He's an asshole. That's what makes him the serial killer part. Right, exactly. I just <laughs> was focusing on the hyperfixation part of it, though. 100%, but, you know, we hyperfixate, and I haven't murdered anybody well, Agreed, this week. and that's why I wasn't saying, that's why I wasn't trying to say that it was 
like something on the autism spectrum. I was trying to say that it was some sort of mental, like could be ADHD, could be OCD, could be any kind of. Some would say that they're all related. Uh, (laughs) 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 um, Because man, if if you got one, you got all of them. Uh, At least so says my doctor. It just makes me, it just makes me think of the Pete Davidson skit. This is the real me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Take your medicine, man. Uh, I don't want the yeah, real you. But exactly. Uh, anyways, uh, that those Sorry, are the, yeah. no. You're fine. I think that's a good discussion. I think it's a good discussion to have. You know, normalized talking about mental illness is a completely uh, fair thing, and also normalized talking about people on the spectrum because fucking exists okay <laughs> and we're not all murderers or rain man okay there's places so, in between what were your favorite moments you got you got three three favorite moments i know three we talked a lot moments. about just sort of to like sum it up here three yeah i think moments. that's a good call so my three favorite moments are the beginning when everyone's okay. looking at the shadows and he doesn't come out and then when he finally does and showing how unhinged he is mm-hmm. number one for me easily um the back and forth between him and jeffrey wright i'm gonna just you know cheat and say all of them were great the thumb drive part all of that stuff and the (laughs) mean mug and like you gotta punch me man like i loved all that stuff and then um, i'm trying to think of any of the scenes with him and catwoman to try to pick one because i also loved all of their stuff together but i'm gonna have to say the the moment that we didn't mention when it comes to comic booky stuff, but when he sees Selena possibly getting hurt after she just saved him and he can't do anything about it, and he takes the venom, which I see yeah. a lot of people online go like, "Oh, he took a journal." I'm like, "No, that was venom, you dumb fucks!" Like, I see people who read comics and they're like, "Oh, maybe it was venom." Like that was one hundred percent what that was. Fuck. Yeah. But really yeah, that was one of my favorite gonna, moments. I really thought he was gonna not be able to control it afterwards, like not be able to stop because yeah. Well, I mean, he couldn't. He, Jeffrey Wright saved him. You know, Gordon was like, "Hey." No, I, I thought he was gonna hit. Je- I thought he was gonna oh. hit Jeffrey Wright. Like that's where I thought like he was gonna be. Like I didn't think that he was gonna have enough willpower to stop the like urge. Yeah, I think it was just it was his first hit of it. You know. Right. So, but anyway, I was, but yeah, I, I really like those. And of course, the reason why I picked those three is because I already talked about all my favorite emotional beats from the rest of the film. Right. Uh, you know, on all of our favorite detective stuff. So I picked those three because we really didn't mention that because the, the fight scenes and the choreography and the Easter eggs of this movie were great. I loved all of them. Yeah, they were peppered throughout, but I didn't think they were done in a way that was too pointed. Sometimes some of the Marvel references are a little too... They're a little bit much. Like, uh, yeah. I think of Iron Man 2 off. when he holds up the, the shield. I'm like, okay, we yeah. get it. We get it. It's a it's a different vibe that they're going for. They're more family-friendly, obviously, so it's like they're trying to make it more that way. But that's fine. That's exactly. Fine. But um, I like the salty of, like, because a lot of people were like, oh, it was kind of weird, Deus Ex Machina. I'm like, yeah, it was there throughout the whole film that he had it on his hip. Um, yeah, exactly. So I, I I dug that part. What about you? What are your top three? So the intro is my favorite also. It, it's favorite so moment. good. Um, it's so good. I, I never thought that I would see something that compared to the Dark Knight's opening scene where the bank robbery. Oh, that, 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 so, in such a different way, but also so good. so differently, but also like just iconic opening scenes. Like I, it, it, it was incredible. Um, The darkness being there and like the, the guy robbing the store being afraid, even though like nothing had come out of it yet. Um, so I really enjoyed that. 
Um, I really just stylistically enjoyed when he goes up to see Falcone and it's all black and all you see is the gun flashes. Yeah, that was I cool. Really well, really, I guess I should just say, like, I think the fighting in the club, I think that it looks super cool. It gives me Daredevil vibes a little bit. Yeah, yeah, just like the uh, beating of the music and you cut in between punches. Those yeah, were all yep, really and, cool. And the sort of slow pan out or slow pan in, but it's like a continuous, like, moving. Like, it's not... It's not as good as the hallway scene in Daredevil. I don't. Think no, I don't. I don't think it reached those heights, and I don't think it was trying to be like that. But I love the wide shot. Just letting them do the choreography—that's my favorite. I yeah. mentioned it. That's my favorite action type scenes, and the club was definitely closer to that out of all the fights. Yeah. So I liked that a lot, just stylistically. Um, and then I really enjoy. I really enjoy when they're in her apartment, and he's like, "You got a lot of cats." <laughs> <laughs> I know it was so funny, but it was so like. <laughs> <laughs> I I but I love that scene in particular because it showed their back and forth, and it was the one of the first scenes in the film that humanized him. That's a hundred percent why I think it was so because I was it came out of left field. I started laughing. I was the only one in the theater. No, that was and hilarious. She, and she's like, I got a thing for strays, right? And I was like, this is the banter that they had in the comics. This is like. You know, years from now, though. Not and I love that it was Selena that brought that out of him, right? It made him have a human right. conversation. Because exactly. before, he was like, he was using her, right? Or the, actually, in the next scene, he uses her. Um, but like, oh, you're going to be my tool. You're going to go in there, and you're, you're going to videotape it and all that shit. But it also showed, like, hey, she also brings this lighter side out of him that you don't see throughout the entire film. So I really dug that. It was hilarious. And I want to see more of that because Batman can fucking laugh, right? He's got nine exactly. fucking kids, okay? His best friend's his dad, Butler. Like, come on. Like, he's a funny guy. I thought that Clark was his best friend. Well, listen, listen. Okay, so he's his best friend's his dad in that kind of way where it's his dad, but it's not really his dad, so you're right. Clark's his best friend where he doesn't really want to be his best friend. It's like, okay, so, like, you're my best friend, right? And we've been best friends for 20 fucking years, okay? Yeah. But there's some people that are friends only because they've known them for so long, so they respect them, but they're like, they're, we don't need to hang out this weekend, you know? But, like, please stop bringing gifts to my house. Please exactly, exactly. And that is and that is Clark and Bruce. Because, like, uh, I always think of the comic book where they go on the double date. Newer comic book, yeah. last couple of years. Did you read that one? No, but you were telling me about it before, prior. Before yeah, one of, my, one of my favorite comic books, if you don't know, it's Selena and, um, and Lois make them go on a double date. Because Bruce just proposed, and she's like, hey, how come you didn't ask him to be your best friend? And he's like, and it cuts back and forth between Bruce going, no, you don't understand. He's got the weight of the world on his shoulders. He doesn't need this, too. Cutting back to Superman and Lois, and Clark's like, no, you don't understand. Like, he's so busy. He's got to work harder than all of us because he doesn't have superpowers. And Lois is like, you should fucking call him. That's so fucking weird. And it's that <laughs> you're, like, making them, like, hang out. And it's because they are best friends, and they have such a good time. But they are so not okay with talking about it with each other. And I know so many friends like that. It's the same vibe I get when your wife is like, hey, you haven't talked to Terry in a while. And I'm like, I... <laughs> I'm like okay, I know. <laughs> We're cool, man. Don't worry about it. We're not like that. Uh, we have to call 14 fucking times a day. She does that to me all the time. She's like, so are you and you and so-and-so on the house? I'm like, no. And they're like, Wait, you haven't called them? I'm like, I don't know. I don't fucking call people all the goddamn time. <laughs> I read books. <laughs> Try it. Also, I'm just busy. <laughs> we all got shit going on. Like, whenever she says that to me, like, how come you haven't called Chelsea this week? I'm like, she's a fucking lawyer? Like, what do you want me to say? <laughs> she's getting ready. She's studying for the goddamn bar. I can't call her right now. I got to go see the Batman. 
Oh, I can't wait. Anyway, we've taken <laughs> almost two hours to talk about this. I it's a three-hour movie. I think it's fair. I'm so excited. I could have talked about it more, probably. Oh, 100%, honestly. and I think we will probably next week when we talk about it compared to a lot of other Batman movies. Yeah. Spoilers for that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So that's it on the Batman. Let us know if you like more review content. Uh, We can watch more things and just tell you what we think of it there instead of in the whole aspect and in the realm of nostalgia and how it compares to past things, which is really our, you know, our joie de vivre. Uh, But we can always change it up a little bit like this. So if you like more reviews, let us know. Put it in the comments. Go to, you know, your your review of the, your, uh, goddamn, I had a stroke. Your podcast app of choice and put in the reviews. Like, ah, oh, I love this. You know, five stars. Um, the main guy's oh, really hot. You. Like, that, you know, that kind of thing. The stuff that you're really thinking about as you listen to the show. <laughs> you know, so uh. drop us a review. Five stars only, please. Um, if you like this content and you want more of our content, head on over to campykilledcreations.com. You can check out some comic books from us, other podcasts, our sister podcast, Slovenly Trolls, is over there. Those ladies are awesome. Check out that stuff. If you want to support us on the extra end, head on over to patreon.com slash creations. Toss us a buck or two, whatever you feel comfortable doing, getting bonus content, extra content, early content. We have lots of stuff over there. Uh, I appreciate you. If you want to just tell me how much you appreciate me, which I'd appreciate. Can'tBeKilledCreations at gmail.com. You can, again, tell me how hot you think my voice is because we know we're all thinking it. I'm just saying it. Um, and, uh, yeah, Chelsea, anything you want to plug? Uh, I just want everyone to know that they just had the vote on the world's best cheese, and it is the Swiss Gruyere again. So just so that you all know, go get yourself some Swiss Gruyere. Enjoy that. Sorry if you're lactose intolerant. When is Gouda going to get the love it deserves? I the smoked the Gouda Swiss- is probably the best thing on the planet, and I just I think it's really unfair. I think this is like an Oscar snub for me. No, Two years listen. in a row? Really, Gruyere? Get off your high horse. It's so good. Listen, it's, so it's good. good. I'm not saying it's not good. I'm not saying it's not good. I'm just saying smoked Gouda is way more resilient. You know, you got it in your pantry. It's going to last twice as long. And it, the utility is there. You know, you're not putting Gruyere on a sandwich. Gouda, Gouda can go on a slice of ham. I I love Gruyere on a, with a roast beef sandwich. Well, roast, roast beef, beef specifically, but where's it going with the rest of it, you know? I, know? I put it on my grilled cheese. I put that shit on everything. <laughs> right next to your Frank's Red Hot, right? Yeah, of course. It's in the the fridge next to the Franks. Oh, man. Well, until next time, this has been Right in the Fields, and we're out. (laughs) Nice little uh, diatribe.